Thank you for downloading the South Everett Foursquare podcast. This is Pastor Chris Pepler, and you've joined us for our overview of the Gospel of John. You can find us any weekend at the Village on Casino Road at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays, or visit us on our website, southeverett.org. Enjoy today's podcast. chose us despite all of our mess. No one can fathom the price that he paid when he gave up his only son to save. Maybe said a little differently, Addie will share our call to worship from the book of John. So what stood out to me um, for the second half of John was that God came down from earth to love us to the end, even though we were all messed up, just like Dad was saying. And on, in chapter 13 of John, verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And in 1 John 3:16, it also says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lie down our our lives for our brothers and sisters. And as we continue to go about our week, let us remember how Christ has loved us so much that he came to die for us. And let us lay down our lives for others. Sometimes we have troubles receiving love and other times we have troubles giving love. But maybe one sometimes is linked to the other. Lord God, would you allow us to receive your love shown in Christ Jesus even this morning, even anew. 
draws near Lord. Help us hear your voice Come to me sit in silence for a moment. Again, we're making some considerable declarations this morning when we say that the presence of the Holy Spirit is welcome with us. <laughs> you ever try to love someone who feels like they're in kind of this unlovable place, like someone's just kind of like pent up or angry or, you know, they, everything in their body language would say, don't get near me. And our task is to like come near them and love them. Like that's a difficult task sometimes. And I know that uh, at times, I, I'm telling the Lord that he's welcome, and, but nothing about my posture, nothing about my attitude, nothing about my way of thinking would, would indicate that the Lord would be welcome in this space. So what I want us to do as these elements come around is to just sit and ponder with the Lord, just you and him for a moment. Is there anything in me that's offensive. Is there anything in me that would present an obstacle? The Lord can bust through anything, but, but the Lord is also um, kind and patient to, to come where the Lord is invited, like to, 
enter into the heart of those who would want to receive him. And so collectively, as we sing this chorus and we've sung, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Um, I believe the Lord wants to do a, a, some, some healing work in some of us and hopefully in all of us this morning. And I just want us to make sure that we've postured ourselves appropriately before him as individuals and then as a corporate body to receive the healing that he wants to bring. And so as you hold these elements just for a moment, ask the Lord if there's anything in us that would create a place of hostility uh, that would prevent the Lord from doing the work that he would want to do in us, that we would surrender that to him. So let's take a few minutes and just reflect before God. Anything we need to give to him, anything we need to confess, anything we need to surrender. Prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 asks this question, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed this message, really, that it would be a suffering servant who would come to save the world and, and not some sort of glorious king as the people imagined their Savior would be and would continue to be? But who has believed this message that it could be something so fundamentally different that salvation would come through humility and surrender? 700 years before his birth, the Lord gave the prophet Isaiah this message and he spoke clearly and plainly about the person and the activity of Jesus as if he was writing a report of something that had happened, not a prophecy of something that would. But it says in verse 2, he, being Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, despised and rejected by many, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces when Jesus walked by. Oh, it's hard to stand with people in their suffering. Jesus was despised and we held him in low esteem. Yet surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds... We are healed. Sometimes I think it's because of our pride that we don't want anything to do with the healing process that Jesus offers us. Because we can't understand it. We can't make sense of it. We don't know what to do with it. Sometimes we don't want to sit, wait long enough for him to do the healing work, not just in our bodies, but in our souls. had a good conversation with Dan Cates who's in the back of the room a few weeks ago on the phone and he just said it's it's the word who is my healer the word is my healer we're healed by the word the word was with God and the word was God the word is our healer Jesus is our healer the one who takes upon him the iniquities and the sins and the transgressions in our punishment 
was upon him. He bore it so that we would have peace. But this healing process sometimes, I don't think Peter wanted anything to do with it either in John 13, which Danessa will share with us today, the second half of John and portions of that. But, you know, Jesus found it within him to get on his hands and knees and wash the feet of his disciples. And it's a hard thing to receive from somebody sometimes that Jesus wanted to bring this healing work to Peter. And Peter said, I want none of that. You don't have to wash my feet. I should be doing this for you. But Jesus said to Peter, unless... Unless you let me do this for you, you have no part in this thing that I'm building, this church. Unless you let me help you. Well, what's harder for us? Chris alluded to this already this morning. Is it harder for you today? We waver in these things. But today, right where we are, is it harder for you to give or to receive? Just ask the Lord that. What am I struggling with? Am I struggling to be generous towards others or am I struggling to allow others including the Lord to be generous towards me what does it require of us to let somebody do something for us but I've heard stories all this morning already about healing that's needed that we're waiting on and so if we need healing this morning let us posture ourselves in a position to receive it You could imagine so great a Continuing forward in our New Testament journey through the Bible project, and this week we are entering and engaging in John part two, uh, and I've asked our very own Danessa Gonzalez to come and share with us this morning. Uh, Danessa is a hero of mine, someone who really uh, takes loving their neighbor as themselves to this whole other level. She has uh, a, a belief and a conviction and a resolve about this neighborhood, this this Casino Road community. So much so that uh, a couple of years ago, they, they, the house that they live in is just blocks from here. We, most of us have been there. We have block parties in our backyard every summer. Uh, so you know where that's at. But that was a house that they had rented for quite a long time. 
And just in the process of getting to know Denessa over the last four and a half years, a few years back, she and her husband, Carlos, just really began to feel like that house was supposed to be theirs. Uh, and it wasn't a house that they could necessarily afford, uh, but they, with conviction led by the power of the Holy Spirit, went to the owner and just said, look, uh, this, this, this house is supposed to be ours. This neighborhood is a neighborhood that we belong in. We work in this neighborhood. We drive kids around to school in this neighborhood. We worship in this neighborhood. We serve in this neighborhood, and we need this house to be ours. Uh, Jeremiah 29 says, uh, when you go to the place where I've sent you, settle down, find a spouse, build a house, and have a garden, and pray for the place where I have sent you. Pray for its peace and its prosperity, because as the city that I send you to prospers, you too shall prosper. And Danessa just models this with her whole life. Um, she is a minister of the gospel in this context, and she just loves her community. And so we thank God for his provision that the owner saw it fit that they would own that house. And so now they own that house, and they have a stake in this community. And uh, Danessa is a growing disciple of Jesus, a growing minister of the gospel, and just so delighted to have you come and share with us this morning. So can we give a hand for Danessa Gonzalez? Uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we forget the beautiful things God has done in our lives. And listening to that, it just took me back to going up to my landlord and like, by the way, if you're going to sell, we're right here. And then COVID hitting and all our paperwork and contract going back and me losing a little bit of hope. But God always, always listens and he knows and he, he knows how much I love this community and he made it happen during COVID. I mean, there's no bigger testimony than that. <laughs> Thank God, it's, he's so good. Um, it's just a privilege for me to be here in front of you guys. Digging into the Gospels, which is like one of my favorite subjects of the Bible, um, always takes me back to Bible school and my Sunday mornings learning about the Word and learning about His miracles and all these signs and um, learning about Jesus' time here on earth. And it's, it's just a great... It's a great section of the Bible, and I absolutely love it. And um, getting to dig into details into the book of John has just been a blessing. Recap on John part one. For me, my biggest takeaway was what they mentioned in the video was the purpose of the book of John. Uh, John twenty thirty one says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have, you may have life in his name. I looked it up in a different version, the Amplified Bible version. Sometimes it's just amazing. It's like it's like reading poetry. Amplified the Amplified Bible says, but these have been written so that you may believe with a deep abiding trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the son of God. And that by believing and trusting in and relying on him, you may have life in his name. It's powerful. So powerful. Um, part one talked about the fully human Jesus from Nazareth is the messianic? Messianic. messianic. King and teacher of Israel and the Son of God who will die for the sins of the world. And that's in chapter 1. It talks about it in chapter 1, verses 19 through 51, where they mention his seven titles. The seven titles of Jesus, right? 
He's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He's the Rabbi. He's our teacher. The Son of Man. He's the Messiah. He's the King of Israel. He's Jesus of Nazareth. Those are his seven names. And he proved these titles, right? He proved these titles in part one of John with um, just all these miraculous things that happened that we dug into last week in our groups. Um, now we're going to look at part two. And part two, um, which is chapters 13 through 21, um, he speaks about um, what he expects from us when he's gone. I say gone because he's never gone, right? But when he's not in this world or when he resurrects it, right? So um, he does this by washing the disciples' feet. Something that a rabbi back in the days, that was a big no-no, right? Because a rabbi, he was kind of like, well, he's the teacher. Why does he have to wash people's feet? But this is the way Jesus showed his way of being generous, right? He does this to demonstrate God's nature as being as a being of generosity and of service. Provide, he, he's proving his self-giving love. So titles don't mean anything for him. Titles are nothing when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven, it's about what you are doing to serve. We are servants. And the Lord is the one who holds the only one true important title of Savior, right? He is the Savior. He is the Creator. And He is the King. So a big portion of um, the second part of John focuses on, on the companion. Who is our companion here? It's the Holy Spirit. And I can't imagine my life without the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys. But... Um, in many occasions, the Holy Spirit would come and speak to my heart or my ear, right? Like, you sure you want to say that? Right? You sure you want to do that? How many times? Goodness gracious. You sure you want those words to come out of your mouth? You sure you want to go there? <laughs> That's all the Holy Spirit. I mean... Better yet, how many times has the Holy Spirit spoken to somebody to speak life into you or into me? And um, in the exact moment you needed confirmation or you needed to hear something, how many times has the Holy Spirit used someone for that moment? I mean, how many times has he used has he saved you for, from something that you never saw coming? The Holy Spirit. We'll never know how many times he's saved us from something. And I praise the Lord for leaving us the Holy Spirit. I love the way it's described. The Spirit is the loving personal presence that will come to live in his people and draw them into the love between the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit draws us closer to him. 
And he'll allow us, the Holy Spirit is going to allow us to fulfill the mission that he gave us. Which is spreading his love through acts of service with one motive, one motive and it's to give him the glory and honor always. And the second thing is to stand up with grace and truth to those who oppose and let them know that we're saved through his blood. We are saved through the blood that was shed on the cross. So my main focus this morning is going to be on the blog of um, the video of John part 2, which is John 21 from 1 through 14. John 21, and it speaks about the moment the disciples were fishing. And it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This was after he resurrected. It's funny because I think, God, how many times do you have to, how many times did Jesus have to come back after he resurrected to kind of refresh the disciples, you know, their purpose in this life? Like, how hard-headed can we be? <laughs> like, I, I absolutely... It just, it's, this was not the first time. This was about the third time. And there was way more times after this where Jesus, after he resurrected, he, he came and he reappeared to them. So it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Didymus, thank you. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples, they were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was him. So he called out and said, friends, have you gotten any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were un unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him because he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. I probably would have done the same thing. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals um, there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who, who are you? Because they already knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Um, one thing that we love about your word is that it's alive. 
And Father God, you always speak to us, and there's so much we can dig into with these verses, Father, but you know the need of our hearts, and we thank you. God, we can, because we can take the moment together and, Father, see what you have to tell us. Thank you for this privilege, Father, of bringing the word to my brothers and sisters, God. And may the glory and honor be for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I started digging into this, and I'm like, Lord, you have a lot to say here. Like, why are you mentioning that the net was not torn? That's still something I want to dig into. And the number of fish, 153. I kind of want to dig into that. There's a lot. I'm telling you, there's a lot we can unpack from just a few verses. But um, for me, um, I feel like he takes this moment to show his power once again. And as they sit and eat, Jesus told Peter that he's going to lead. Peter, out of all people. He's going to be the leader of a movement that's going to defend and spread this amazing, these stories of miracles that prove time and time again that he's the true king. He was chosen to lead. And I, I dug into a little bit on Peter. Oh, goodness, Peter reminds me of me. I was wondering why. Why did you pick Peter? And um, he was definitely not the ideal person to pick. Let's put it that way. He didn't fit the bill. He didn't fit the bill. He doesn't call the people that are qualified, but he qualifies the ones that he calls. And I, I, I feel like I cling to that every time that someone reaches out and asks me, can you do this? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Right? You know, it's like, no, the Lord qualifies me to do what he calls me to do. It's not about being prepared before. It's, it's about trusting that he will be the one that's going to prepare you, that's going to prepare me. He does not always call the qualified. Peter wasn't rich. He wasn't educated. Um, he wasn't always the best decision maker. He constantly struggled with his doubts and fear. Hello. You know, it's like he was quick-tempered. He's the one that cut the soldier's ear off when they came after Jesus. <laughs> I think of all this, and I'm like, Lord, yeah, yeah, I don't fit the bill either. He denied Jesus not once. Not twice. Three times. Yeah. I absolutely love that Jesus picked him. And I feel that this is why it's because it allows me to see that the Lord doesn't look for perfection. He's the only perfect God. So I'm enough. I'm enough. And you're enough. Just like I look at the disciples and, and what they were before they met Jesus. And it gives me hope. In the book of Matthew, uh, 16, 18, Jesus spoke to them, to then called Simon, right? And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. His name was Simon, and now his his name is Peter, which means, in Aramaic, it means stone or rock. And in this verse, Jesus mentions that he will build the church with the guidance of Peter, with Peter as the head of this movement that is about to take place after his resurrection. 
Peter and the other disciples, they spoke and acted, and then there was John who recorded. That was John's ministry, his recording, his, his writing. So sometimes I, I obsess, because that's the only word to it, over the feeling that I'm just not doing enough. You know, and it's, uh, people can tell me, oh, uh, like the Lord knows that there are days where I'm like, God, I could be doing so much more for the kingdom. And sometimes I feel like that what I do has no value for the kingdom because I'm not preaching up in an altar or I'm not going up to every single stranger I see. We will be most effective in the world when the focus is not on the work as such, but as simply listening for Jesus' voice and obeying him when he speaks. Yeah. One thing that I was reminded this week was, if I do what the Lord speaks to me, everything else, works and everybody does the same the body will function as one right and he will glorify himself in whatever it is that he has placed in your heart in my heart to do for the kingdom so comparing is like one of our worst enemies and it's very hard not to, and that's something that we submit, or I submit to the Lord almost every day. It's like, I don't want to compare, because God, what you have for me is not the same what you have for Chris, and what you have for Lauren, and what you have for Chris, and Chris, and the other Chris. Okay. So it's just, there is no, there is just no point to compare, because the Lord's purpose with each and every one of us is different. And one thing that I've learned since I started um, being part of South Everett Foursquare, it's such a beautiful thing to take a moment to just listen. He, he does have a lot to say to us. So I've been practicing this in my workplace and um, I have, with the way my routes work, I have like short 10 minute, 15 minute layovers between you know schools and that's my moment of I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that he's everywhere. So I would take a moment and just, I would shut my music off because when I'm not, when the music, when I want to be, when I, when I don't have the ability to be in silence, I'm blasting my radio <laughs> and I'm worshiping the Lord. And, um, but the moment I, those 10, 15 minutes, twice, three times a day, I'm just in silence and I'm trying to listen. And I practice this every single day. Um, or when my day's over and I'm pulling into my house and I know the moment I walk through the door is like <laughs> So I take a moment and I'm sitting in my car. You know, I sit in my car just to listen to the Lord. And my life is busy as it is. He has blessed me with these little moments where I'm able to just be in his presence and enjoy it and get filled because distractions and my calendar will always be busy. 
But taking those moments to be in his presence is what fills me and allows me to see what it is that he wants for me. So today, um, as we get in our small groups, I want you to think of three things. Where in our daily routines do you take the time to sit and listen to see what Jesus has to say to you? Or what can you be doing different to create this gap or this moment to listen to what the Lord has to tell you? Tell a time where you listened to the Lord attentively and obeyed his command and who did it impact. And lastly, as we finish this section of the Gospels, what was your biggest takeaway? The Gospels has so much that we can, like I said, it's just, there's so much. And I feel like there's, there is, it's always nice, like we were just saying this morning, it's nice to hear the testimony. I feel like there's, there's always purpose in testimony, right? When we are feeling down, these testimonies are what encourages us to move forward. And um, that's another thing that I've been learning from, from being with South Everett is that we are here for each other um, because we are like-minded people that love the Lord. And we're here to learn from each other and to encourage each other and hold each other accountable. And um, every day is not easy, but if we lean on each other and on the Lord, I mean, he just does amazing things. Um, so yeah. Thank you guys. Let's pray over you as you head into your week. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have uh, given us purpose and calling and above and beyond the purpose and the calling you have given us your voice. Lord, I'm challenged to, to think how many times I've run away with what you've said and clung to, to the thing as opposed to, to your voice. Lord, and you always call us to re return, Lord, to that. And so thank you for Danessa. Thank you for the model and the example and... Lord, lift her up, lift her family up in the work that you've called them to, and let them be examples to us of what it means to listen and obey, Lord, to trust you with the outcomes, and to just be faithful, and to rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.